Welcome to the American Truck Driver Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Polk, and I'm an American truck driver. The website is www.anamericantruckdriver.com. You can find me on social media at facebook.com slash anamericantruckdriver and on Twitter at truckinzar, that's uh, T-R-U-C-K-I-N-C-Z-A-R. You can call or text uh, questions and comments to 413-24-TRUCK. That's 413-248-7825. My email address is anamericantruckdriver at gmail.com. This is episode one. Uh, I want to take the opportunity to welcome you to the show and tell you a little bit about who I am and where I came from and what I'm doing. I've been in the trucking business since August of 1997. I was 21 years old, living in West Virginia, uh, and I had had you know basic jobs around the house, delivering pizzas and uh, working at some dealerships. And I was working at a Ford dealership in Charleston, West Virginia, and there was an old man working there one day. He said, uh, you ought to go drive a truck. And I said, okay, uh, what business do you reckon an idiot like me has driving a truck? And he says, oh, no, 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 you'd be good at it. And so he handed me a newspaper. He'd already circled the ad, so I called the ad. It was for a truck driving school in Nashville. And uh, so I answered the questions and submitted the application and borrowed some money from my dad and jumped in the pickup truck and headed to Nashville. Uh, I got down there and uh, was in school for uh, four weeks. And uh, they did a pretty good job of, of teaching us, you know, a little bit about backing, taught us how to shift, basic maneuvers, got us our, our CDL. And uh, I had chosen PST vans out of Salt Lake City uh, for my carrier. And uh, they were around until the late 90s, early 2000s when U.S. Express uh, bought them up when they were buying everything that was moving at the time. And uh, so uh, after school, I came home for a few days and, and uh, I had to go back to Bowling Green, Kentucky uh for orientation and to meet my trainer so I spent a couple days down there and they said okay your trainer's going to be here today so he rolls up and he's got a big green I think it was a 1996 FLD 120 Freightliner double bunk his name was Jerry and uh, we made the obligatory introductions and uh, threw my bag up in the truck and I remember closing the door and him saying okay uh, let's get after it we'll be in Dallas tomorrow and I remember that went through me like a lightning bolt because, you know, here I am a kid that's never been anywhere other than the beach a couple times and maybe up into Ohio, and, and I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas tomorrow. And so it was really, I think, beginning to sink in there what I was getting into. Uh, the next four weeks were an absolute blur. Um, my trainer, Jerry, was a little high-strung, and he liked to run. And he also liked to run what back in those days was called five and five five and five for those of you who may be new to the industry in the last 10 or 15 years is five on five off back in those days we didn't have the 10 11 and 14 hour rules that we have now we had uh an eight and a ten if you had eight hours in the sleeper berth that would reset you and you had ten to run so you could drive five hours sleep five hours drive five hours sleep five hours and be infinitely legal 
Well, the problem with five and five is that you were supposed to drive five hours and sleep five hours, but in reality, you drove five hours, you slept about an hour and a half, and the other part of the time you were bouncing around in the sleep or half asleep. So that led to driving five hours half awake. Uh, so that's pretty much why I don't remember a whole lot about that time. I, I remember some of the sights, you know, first time seeing the mountains out west or first time rolling into Las Vegas. Uh, but other than that, it's it's kind of a blank spot because we ran 24,000 miles in four weeks, um, which is normal for a regular team. But I'm new. I know nothing. Uh, so I get out of his truck in Atlanta, Georgia, at a little terminal they had down there, and went to the motel and slept like 16 hours straight. I was absolutely exhausted. I was issued my first truck, a 1995 FLD 120 Freightliner, that was a condo, which was one of the selling points uh, when the recruiter came to truck driving school. The part they left out was that it wasn't; it was a double bunk. But it wasn't a 70-inch double bunk. It was a 48-inch double bunk. So the seats came right up, or I'm sorry, the bed came right back to the back of the, the seat. So, yeah, you had a condo, but there wasn't a whole lot to do in it. And it was gutless. It had an 11-liter Detroit and a Super 10 transmission and no Jake brake. Um, so I, uh, I, I kind of ran around with them, you know... I, after getting out of training, I I was okay. I, I really couldn't back all that well. Went to pick up my first load in the south side of Atlanta, trying to back into a dock, and I had an audience. There was like six guys standing on the dock just watching because uh, it was horrible. It took me forever uh, to get that truck in there. And, and I eventually ended up kind of straight, but not really, but good enough for them to get me loaded. So I stayed uh, solo with them uh, through... Uh, about the end of December, maybe after Christmas, and I was ready to quit. I hated it. I didn't like being alone. I didn't like uh, the company. I didn't like the truck. I wasn't making any money. Uh, you know, 23 cents a mile and probably maybe running 2,000 miles a week, if that. Who, who knows? Uh, I didn't do any record keeping. I have really no idea what was going on, but I was fed up and frustrated. And, uh, so I pretty much quit. I had I had gone back to Bowling Green and turned in my truck. And my aunt lived close by. And so she came and picked me up. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. So truck driving is over. While I was at her house, somehow, and I still don't know how they found me, I get a phone call from a guy that I was in truck driving school with named Robert. Everybody called him Hoss because he was huge. He was like 6'4" probably went 450 he was enormous so hoss calls me out of the blue and he says hey obviously i'm a big guy and he ended up with a double bunk nice 70 inch condo but they were going to take it away from him if he stayed solo he said i need a team driver because i can't squeeze my big self into one of those little trucks and i'm like okay sure that sounds like a great idea so uh hoss swung through and picked me up and uh, we took off and, I don't know, maybe ran a, a few weeks. Uh, I know it was into February. Uh, we got a load out to Northern California. So we took off and everything was fine. We went across Donner Pass, I think both of our first times across through there, uh, with no major issues. But remember, it's February. 
or late January, early February. So everybody knows what happens on Donner Pass in that part of the year. Well, we didn't know because we were clueless. So we go over there and we deliver a load and then we pick up a load. And, and I remember it being some kind of high priority, uh, minimum transit time, hot, hot load. Got to go, got to go, got to go. So we hooked up to it and took off. Well, in our ignorance, we didn't understand that if it's snowing before you get to Donner, by the time you get on Donner, you're probably going to have to throw chains. And sure enough, we start up through there, and California calls for chains. Well, me and Hoss have never seen a chain, might less ever hung one. Man, we got out there in sweatpants and tennis shoes, no winter gear, no gloves. Uh, other drivers are coming over. They see what a handle we're in. And uh, so they come over and help us out. Well, Hoss is terrified. He don't want to drive. So now I got to drive. Uh, so I drive us the rest of the way uh, down off of Donner. And it's middle of the night. Well, he stays up with me because he's too scared to sleep. And I'm probably too scared to not have him there with me. So we get into Nevada. Well, I go to bed because I'm exhausted. And he's supposed to take off and keep going. Well, after I'm asleep, I guess he got tired and, and, and pulled over and took a nap. So uh, we had just gotten Qualcomm, which was kind of a new thing back in the late 90s. And we start getting nasty messages from the carrier saying, where, where are you guys at? What are you doing? Why are you so far behind? And uh, while I was still asleep, Hoss had sent him a message and explained, you know, hey, we had to chain up on Donner. We'd never done that before. Um, and then we're both up all night dealing with that. And I got tired and, you know, I had to I had to stop. And uh, so they're sending messages threatening us, saying, you know, if you fail on this load, you're going to get fired. And uh, so later that day, we were running along uh, and we hook up with a, a couple of drivers from Team Werner. I don't, even, I don't even know if they have that anymore. But back in those days, Team Werner was a big deal. They had big, shiny, brand-new, classic freight liners with big cat engines and jake brakes and gauges and bells and whistles. So we were kind of telling them the story of what happened. And they were like, oh, man, that's crazy. You would never have that over here. So they're making Werner look really, really good. So we get a couple more nasty messages from the dispatch, and I'm not someone that really has much of a filter. Um, old age has given me a filter, uh, but I certainly didn't have one back then, so I just picked up the Qualcomm, typed off a message, and told them what I thought about them. Uh, that didn't help. So uh, the barrage of messages keeps coming back, and I finally said, look, let's just go to Salt Lake City, and we'll sit down and talk about this like adults. So we decided to go way out of route. Uh, I think we were going, like, to the East Coast. So anyway, we dive off into Salt Lake City, and we get there, you know, the night before, and we go to bed. Well, we get up the next morning. Now we're way out of route. We're way behind schedule, and we walk in the front door, and I remember this guy standing there shaking some papers at us and screaming and cussing, and our poor little defenseless dispatcher was standing there, and he, she's, she's like, oh, he, he's going to fire you. And I'm like, well, I don't care. You know, we're young, we're new, we don't know what we're doing, we're trying to be safe. And, you know, we've got the record of all the messages that were sent. I said, fine, we'll go talk to safety. Well, we go to talk to safety. And that was a complete joke and waste of time. 
And the guy says, all right, well, you know, you're fired. And I said, well, fine, go ahead and fire us. Now, this will illustrate to you how different the industry was then versus how it is now. On the way over to Salt Lake City, we had stopped at one point, and I had called a Werner recruiter, kind of trying to verify what this team had been telling us. And I'd told her what had happened, and she's like, look, you know, you guys have only been driving a few months. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but these guys are terrible, and they're awful, and they're trying to make us run unsafe, and, you know, we, we shouldn't have to do that. So when the guy tells us that we're fired, I looked at Hoss, and I said, well, screw it, man. Let's go to Werner. So I walked down to the lobby and picked up the phone, and I called the Werner recruiter. And I said, hey, um, this guy, we just quit. You know, this this guy's being unreasonable, and safety's no help, and we got to get out of here. This was on Friday morning. I give her my information. Hoss gives her his information. That afternoon, she has us on a bus to Denver. We get into Denver. We start orientation Monday morning. Thursday morning, we are on an airplane to Phoenix to pick up our truck. And on Friday, seven days later, we're hauling freight down the road in a in a Werner truck. Now, that kind of stuff don't happen nowadays, especially when you do all the stupid stuff that we did. Run out of route, basically abandon the load. Uh, you know, you would just get killed for doing that now. So... <clears throat> That began the the next six years of me making a lot of really dumb decisions. I, I only teamed with Hoss another couple of weeks, and a buddy of mine called me, hey, let's go run team, and okay, so I jumped over and did that, and then I jumped into another dumb deal with a friend of mine, oh, let's go buy a hot shot truck, no, let's go lease a truck from Prime, oh, let's go run team, and just the next six years was just chaos and uh, jumping from carrier to carrier, trying to find greener grass that there wasn't ever any. Until uh, sometime in 2002, I was working for a small carrier in West Virginia, and uh, I was driving like an idiot, and somebody called in on me, and she was correct in her assessment of my stupidity. And they graciously offered me the opportunity to quit. So I did. I quit. So from, you know, 97 to 2002, I've been in the business five years, and I just said, all right, I'm done. So for the next couple years, I just kind of bounced around. I drove a dump truck. I drove a school bus. I installed satellite dishes, did whatever I could, and swore I'd never go back to trucking. Well, I got married in 2004, and uh, I had told my wife, you know, well, I, you know, yeah, I've got a CDL, but I, I'll never go back on the road until June 9th of 2006 when my daughter was born. And anyone that has ever had a child can tell you that that moment when you see that tiny person for the first time and you understand that they are your sole responsibility well that that changes a lot of things and a lot of the things you said you never do all of a sudden you become willing to do so when my daughter was six months old on thanksgiving day i told you know i had told my wife i said look i i've got this cdl i've got a way for us to make a living and a good one at that i think i need to do this 
Well, I had a problem that it had been almost four years that I'd been out of the business. And you get to a point where carriers don't want to hire you with, with that lapse of experience and want to send you back to truck driving school. So I was fortunate to find a very creative recruiter at Schneider who took some liberties with my application and got me hired. Other carriers wouldn't touch me. And I didn't have a bad driving record. I just, you know, my experience was in question. So he got me hired on at Schneider. And when I left on that Thanksgiving day of 2006, I had a new perspective and a new commitment to who I was going to be uh, and what I was going to be. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a good driver and I'm going to take care of business and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do. So I, I get on at Schneider and had a really good experience. Stayed there two years, uh, did some team stuff, did some dedicated stuff, um, and really was, it was a huge growth opportunity for me as an individual, as a man, as a husband, as a father. Uh, even had uh, one of the, when I left there, we had moved to Columbus, Ohio, and I was running dedicated for Sears. And I found a job with a, a local company there in Columbus that had like 25 trucks. And so I told my my boss, the account manager, that I was leaving. I gave her my notice. And on my last day, she cried. That was That was a proud moment for me because, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the times in my career when I left a company, they were kind of glad to see me go. And so here's this lady who has come to trust me to do a good job for her, and she was upset that I was leaving. And um, so I left there, and I went to this small carrier for a couple of years, and they were really good to me. Uh, the man that runs it is just absolutely wonderful uh, and taught me a lot about the business. I, I got to see kind of behind the curtain, and I got to learn about freight lanes and rates and he taught me big words about volume and capacity and capitalization of an asset and you know he was he was just a complete business nerd and I love to just sit and talk to him about the business well we decided um, that we needed to go back to West Virginia to be close to family and so working for this local company I couldn't work for them anymore because you know they didn't want somebody out of state so I went back to Schneider, and I made a huge, huge mistake. I got on Dollar General dedicated, and it was miserable. I hated it. It was terrible. Um, and uh, I got hurt in January of 2010, and my marriage was not doing well. I hated the, the account. I, I was just kind of hating everything, and uh, my attitude was really bad, and I was mad at Dollar General, and, you know, I'm hurt and going to the chiropractor, and I just said, nah, I'm done, and I quit. Again. Well, now we've got two babies, and I've got to decide in all my infinite wisdom how I'm going to support this family. Um, so I made a few more bad choices in, in local jobs, uh, uh, and it was complete disaster. And then... But what that did was allowed my wife and I to take the time to heal our marriage. Um, so, you know, we went broke during that time, but it was really a net positive because we were able to heal our marriage. 
and that put us in a place where we could make better decisions together. So in the middle of 2010, I I find myself going back to my wife and saying the same thing that I had said four years earlier. Hey, look, man, I I got this CDL. You know, I, I got this way to make a living. So I went back to Columbus, and I got on with Land Air, pulling big lots. And a couple months later, moved the family back up there, and uh, uh, we were doing well. Um, we were, you know, we were in a good spot. Marriage was good. I was paying the bills, but I knew, I knew that there was something more. I, I knew there was more out there to be had there was more that i could do to be be more productive i could get more out of this industry so i start trying to figure out a way to break it to my wife that i want to be an owner operator i uh had the experience working for the guy in columbus that had taught me a lot about the business and really helped me to understand that a lot of this crap you hear about oh you can't make it as an owner operator there's no money the fuel's too high that's all garbage it's all complete garbage and then I discovered Kevin Rutherford on the radio, and he helped reinforce that, um, you know, that hard work, determination, willing to sacrifice. These are all the things that you need, uh, and you can go make it. Um, so we decided that I would go to a carrier where I could lease a truck. Now, I know a lot of you are probably saying, oh, what an idiot. Um, well, I did a ton of research all I could. I talked to people. I did research online, and I found Anderson Trucking Service in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And when I dug into it, I realized that you know Anderson has a lease, but it's a one-year deal. You know, you do it for a year. You don't like it, you leave and take your bonus check with you. So, made the commitment, made the decision. I was going to go to Anderson and pull on their uh, specialized pad wrap van division. So, January 1st, 2011, I hop on a bus and ride 26 hours to St. Cloud, Minnesota. Wife and kids are at home. Um, You know, I had told her, I said, look, this is, it's not going to be easy. You know, I'm going to be gone a lot. Um, But I think, you know, as as far as a five-year plan goes, I think this is the right move. So, I get orientation. And I get me a truck. I picked a 2007 Freightliner Columbia. Really, really nice truck. A lot of the guys that I was there with were picking 2010s and 2011s. But I had a real problem. I just wanted to stay away from that EPA stuff. So I picked the oldest truck I could get. And uh, I got my first load and uh, delivered it and got my first settlement. And I was shocked. And how much money I'd made. I called my wife and I said, hey, we're going to be all right. Uh, saw that first settlement and I thought, man, here I'm paying all these lease payments and all this stuff. And I'm still making this huge money. So for the next two years, I, uh, I, I worked on the van division. I had an awesome fleet manager, money-making fool. Uh, we made each other a lot of money during that time period and uh as 2013 approached i knew that they weren't going to release my truck to me again i had leased it twice but it had too many miles on it so they weren't going to lease it a third time 
I knew I was going to have to switch trucks. I knew I was going to have to get one that's got this new EPA stuff on it. But I swallowed my pride and I said, nope, I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to stick through. It's going to be all right. I had a couple friends of mine that were over on the specialized flatbed division of Anderson that had been kind of wooing me over that way for about a year. And uh, and I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, if I'm going to do this, it's the perfect time. I can make myself more valuable in the marketplace. I can pick up these flatbed skills, run some oversize. And so whenever I'm done at Anderson, uh, you know, I'll have run household goods and pad wrap and van and flatbed and oversize. So, you know, win, 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 all the way around. And then I was issued the truck from hell. January 2013, I moved in to a 2011 Peterbilt 386 with a Cummins ISX. In seven months, that truck cost me $50,000 in repairs and lost revenue. Um, my wife and I, would, let's just be honest, happy wife, happy life. My wife decided we were moving back to West Virginia again to be closer to family. And uh, I said, yes, ma'am. So we had pretty much just moved literally into a rental house um, in West Virginia and I can't keep this truck running we changed everything from the turbo to the tailpipe nothing ever fixed it I uh, met my wife and kids in uh, August I believe it was August of 2013 in Columbus and the truck had a check engine light so again I take it to the Pete dealer there in Columbus and uh, take my kids to Kings Island and I get back and I pick up the truck and uh, I said uh, I said did you get it fixed he said yeah he said the lights out and I said alright good deal man you're awesome and he said yep till the next time it quits and I'm like well thanks for that vote of confidence and he said yep we used to fix yellow motors now we fix yellow lights well turns out he was correct I made it 650 miles to Des Moines Iowa when it derated and shut down again I barely made it into the truck stop, that Flying J or Pilot, whatever it is there in Des Moines on 80. And I call a wrecker, and uh, they towed me over to the Pete dealer, and I go to a motel, and um, I've decided that this truck has broke down and left me sitting for the last time. So I was there two days, and I went to pick the truck up when it was done, and I looked at the service advisor, and I said, can you tell me why it quit? He said, uh, no, I ain't got a clue. He said, you know, we changed a, a, a fitting or a clip or a hose or something. And I said, okay. Well, while I had been in the motel, I had called Lone Mountain Truck Leasing over uh, in Council Bluffs. And uh, I knew a couple of guys that had leased their trucks uh, from there. And we're at Landstar and just loving life. And uh, so I had called them and applied and um, been accepted. Uh, so I took my empty trailer, you know, because I just lost another seven or $8,000 load going to Canada. And uh, I went over there and I had called her and I said, what's the oldest truck you got? She said, I got a 2007 Freightliner Century. I said, I'm on my way. So I went over there, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, it's ugly, but it'll get the job done. And so 
I uh, got a, a storage unit from U-Haul there right by the TA and uh, emptied all my stuff into the storage unit that headed back to St. Cloud. Uh, the leasing guy who was, I mean, as good to me as he could be, he said, man, let, let me get you another truck. I said, no, I'm done. It's over. If it's 2007 or 2008 or newer, I ain't having it. I'm finished. And uh, so I turned the truck in. They bought me a bus ticket back to Omaha. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm learning. I'm going to the IRS office and paying them $550 Fed Hut. And, you know, I'm getting all this paperwork and stuff together. And I'm trying to get on with Landstar. And their qualification process can be a lit, little bit laborious. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I just couldn't wait anymore. So I called my old pad rap Anderson fleet manager back up, and I said, Jay, listen, I, I just bought a truck. Uh, if, if I come back to Anderson, can I get back on your board? And he said, absolutely. Come on. And so I made the calls and and uh, took off. Loaded up all my stuff and went back to St. Cloud. Had to go through orientation again. When I got out of orientation, I had been down 21 days and five weeks without a paycheck. Um, it was it was rough. Uh, my dad helped me a lot. He loaned me some money to help get my truck rolling. And uh, so I got out of orientation. I started pulling freight for Anderson. And y'all, the next six months was awesome. I made so much money with this truck. It was unbelievable. Uh, I hit right in the time when the freight's the hottest. Uh, had one week or I had a $5,000 settlement from one week of work. It, it was crazy. But now I'm out from under the lease. You know, it's just me and my truck. Um, and, man, I, I w it was crazy. I stayed there six months and... Um, I knew Landstar is where I needed to be. So, you know, Anderson is a great company. I'll never see anything bad about them. But they're a, they're a company that leases trucks, you know, and it, it's not, you know, it's just not the the best environment for a uh, uh, front owner operator. And so uh, I made this jump to Landstar in uh, April, April 18th. 2014 and never look back uh it's been incredible um take every good thing you've ever heard about landstar multiply by 10 uh take every bad thing you've ever heard about landstar and throw it in the trash um i i, I jumped through the learning curve really quick um and uh in september uh i found a dedicated run 70 miles from my house i now work four days a week and I'm putting over a dollar a mile in my pocket. It is, it's incredible. It's a dream come true. It's everything that I thought maybe would be possible. You know, when 2010, when I was thinking about doing this, this is what I dreamed about. I didn't know if it was possible. It was a huge gamble. It was a huge swing for the fences. I really didn't know what I was getting into. But what I did know was that I was, I was not going to quit. I was not going to be denied. I was not going to give up. I was going to have a good attitude. So many times I had to swallow my pride and bite my tongue and keep my mouth shut and just drive. But I wouldn't trade this experience for anything 
in the world. It's been amazing. So here I am. Uh, I'll refer back to this episode, I'm sure, um, you know, instead of going back through all of this again. Um, but, you know, send me comments, send me questions, facebook.com slash Driver, Twitter, at TruckinZar, uh, or use the listener call-in line, 413-24-TRUCK, 413-248-7825, or shoot me an email, uh, Driver at gmail.com. I, I want to do something good for this industry. I, I want to try to help people uh, using the knowledge that I gained through my own mistakes, my own bad decisions. Uh, I want to do this. And uh, so be safe, have fun, and uh, hit me up with some calls and questions.